Alright ladies and gents, this is your man El Jabbar coming back for another edition of Never Out of Bounce. This is the place where your second amendment is protected as long as you got them facts. We are here uh, on your Saturday morning going into your Saturday afternoon. We got a few things to discuss so we're going to get right into it with the world on the street. Now earlier this week there was a magnitude 7 earthquake. Uh, this was on Thursday to be exact on the island nation of Papua New Guinea. The epicenter was about 125 uh, miles south of the town of Rabaul. Currently, there are no damages or injuries reported, but there were tsunami warnings throughout the, the past couple of days with uh, waves uh, slightly rising about eight feet off the coastline and also near the Solomon Islands as well. Uh, after shots hit immediately after the initial quake and they regist registered at a, uh, at a five on the Richter scale and that also triggered some more tsunami warnings. The last two earthquakes that occurred in this area were February and March and the one in February killed about 100 people. So so it goes down in that area. We're talking about the ring of fire in terms of geographic location. Uh, this is an area in the Pacific uh, where just a lot of, you know, volcanic activity. Also, uh, you know, earthquake activity happens as well. So give give some people your prayers. Uh, give a little shout out for them. Also, we have another uh, natural disaster to discuss. This one a little bit closer to home. Uh, Hurricane Michael made landfill, landfall earlier this week on Mexico Beach, the town of Mexico Beach along the Florida Panhandle, and it uh, has killed about 15 people in total. That was a Category 4 storm with winds up to 150 miles, 55 miles when it first landed. Uh, that was a little bit under the under the threshold of a category five uh this was definitely the worst storm or worst hurricane in this state's particular history uh now uh, they calmed down to a category one eventually but that was enough to take away power from over uh, i would say three hundred thousand people including people in florida bama and in uh, georgia now storm surges would also go up to eight feet and uh five people confirmed uh Actually, there was a whole town, the initial uh, town in which the, the, the hurricane touched down in uh, Mexico Beach, that town and a lot of different, small, at least the smaller towns along the Florida Panhandle have been completely uh, swept away. They're completely destroyed. Homes gone, businesses gone, so on and so forth. Uh, this is a very serious situation, uh, still a state of emergency. Uh, later on, uh, within the next day or so, I will have uh, links for both of these events, uh, these tragic events, in order for you, if, if you're into it, uh, to give or to donate anything you have. Uh, just a couple links, whether it be Facebook or whatever. Just just for the people who are into that, I know my, it might be hard for certain people. Myself, I'm going through some financial things right now. But when it's when you have it, it's always good to give. So uh, as soon as I get that some of that information, for you guys I will be giving that to you uh, immediately uh, one last story I want to share for you guys uh, this is a very uh, interesting story here uh, this is more of the effects this is this is a story that I came across I talked more about the effects of some of the Trump uh, the Trump tariff wars going on right now and how it's affecting uh, people in our country and affecting our businesses and uh, basically uh, going against the going against the notion that uh, this is all being done in order to help us or help the actual worker. Uh, anyways, there's a prominent manufacturing company located in Wisconsin called Johnson Level and Tool. Uh, they create levels which are used to, uh, you know, for measurements to for either hanging up uh, your your uh, paintings, anything like that, or just something to keep things level. Also, other tools, power tools as well. Now, um, 
they are facing complications, like I said, obviously, from the trade war with China. Because of the higher tariffs on import, expenses will rise about $3.7 million for this company. The company can either raise prices for what they sell to chain stores, including Lowe's, Home Depot, Ace Hardware, and so on and so forth, or they can remove some of the manufacturing outside of China, which will cost even more money. Uh, how, uh, also, uh, the largest corporations... Uh, like I already talked about Walmart, uh, they are already warning about higher prices because what's happening is it t it's going to cost more to manufacture these goods. It's costing more to bring in these materials in order to make the goods, uh, to also m to have to bring the machines to make some of these goods. So therefore, uh, the manufacturer is going to be charging the merchants a higher price. So therefore, the, per the merchants will be uh, therefore charging a higher price. Now, this makes... You know, pretty much some some good deal of sense to me because where I work at Trader Joe's, there are certain items we won't carry or certain items we will stop carrying if they exceed a certain buying price, at least on our end, on the retail end. Uh, if if we would have to, you know, raise a price significantly on our shelves, on our shelf, then we probably wouldn't sell that product because it's more than likely it might not move as well. Now, uh, and this is the cold part about, you know, just these type of jobs in terms of manufacturing in this in this state, uh, in, in in this state of uh, Wisconsin, uh, now Johnson Level has already decided to raise prices eight to ten percent. Now the big deal with this is sixteen percent of the Wisconsin Wisconsin workforce is manufacturing jobs. We're talking about eight hundred thousand uh, eight hundred thousand jobs here. Uh, these these are on the line. If prices were to continuously, well, let's say for instance they weren't able to make the sales they are. Uh, if if big box companies are saying, well, we can get the price cheaper from another company uh this would this would force johnson level to therefore have to cut off certain people to have to lay off certain people uh they don't plan on cutting any jobs right now but like i said eventually if if uh if prices continue to rise on their end i think the expenses on their end would have to you know if, if, if expenses keep uh, increasing on their end, I think they would have to. Uh, another company that, uh, that is in the Wisconsin area that's also uh, going through stuff like this is all, it's called Husco International. Now, they create hydraulic and electromagnetic uh, mechanical sorry, components for cars. And like I said, they use machines and metal from China. They are currently paying up to a million dollars in expenses due, due to the tariffs. Now, 100 jobs could also be forced out of the U.S. because of this. Now, this is a direct quote from Austin Ramirez, the CEO of, of Husco International. Now, take good good uh, heed at this. These jobs are at risk because I can move them to overseas plants that aren't subject to tariffs. So already he's telling you he wants to move the jobs. He doesn't want to keep the jobs here. He does not want to go through any type of tariff nonsense. So he wants to directly take the jobs out of here. That's contrary to what Trump and a lot of the conservatives would, would want you to believe that this is the whole end game of these tariffs. Uh, another company called Regal Wear. This is a cookware company uh, selling pots, Pans, etc., could also lose a million dollars in revenue. Uh, this is pretty much their uh, their main quote here. They're going to look for ways to take costs out of operations here in the U.S. This is a direct quote from the vice president of Regal Wear, Daniel Regal himself. Uh, this is another, uh, and this is another uh, quote here we got from Dr. Joseph Daniels of the Economic Department at Marquette University. Uh, he goes, while layoffs mean, may not be imminent at manufacturing companies, hiring could face a slowdown. Now, what that tells you is they're definitely, well, at the moment, they're not going to be firing uh, who they have now, 
but they're definitely not bringing on any more people. They cannot afford to. So that's that's how it starts. When they're not able to hire as much, what happens is that they eventually start cutting the hours of the people that are there or letting go of some of the other folks, uh, just some other people that are there. Uh, and this is another quote we have. This is from the chief financial officer of, of Johnson Level. He goes, it's not going to shut us down, but what it does is theoretically takes away money to invest in future projects, i.e. more jobs more uh employment uh you know maybe they don't like i said they don't automatically start cutting jobs right now but they definitely can't hire more people uh there's, there's no job growth in this area and that and that goes a long way too uh, so we are in a situation right now, like I said, the corporations, they've already told you that they want to leave if things get too out of hand. They do not want to sit here and try to work things out to uh, create American jobs. Uh, also, you know, like I said before, with uh, the new trade deal that Trump made uh, with Canada and Mexico, with the bringing of more manufacturing jobs, certain, uh, well, at least car manufacturing jobs, those paying 16 bucks an hour. Let's keep it real. In a state like California, that isn't that isn't really that's not even a, a, a really a tip in the bucket. So uh, the jobs that we're getting are not really high paying, and it looks like they don't want to really hire us at the moment right now. This what this situation is telling us, at least in the manufacturing realm. All right, y'all, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to get into some college football. Uh, we have some action going on today, but before that, we're going to go through a midseason report. I'm going to talk about some of the biggest uh, this biggest surprises that I've had so far of the season, that I've seen so far of the season, also some of the biggest disappointments, and we're also going to go through a couple of Heisman candidates as well. So we'll be right back, y'all. All right, everybody. So we are at the midway point of the college football season, well, a little bit after. And so, like I said, I wanted to do a mid-season report for you guys. Uh, just talk about some of my biggest surprises of the season so far that I've witnessed. Also, a couple of my biggest disappointments. Also, wanted to go through some Heisman uh, candidates as well. At least on the, at least some of the under-radar cats for right now. So let's get right into it. And one of my biggest surprises is Texas. I officially feel that they are back. Uh, they're currently five and one overall. 3-0 in conference play. They're sitting at number 9 in the nation. They had a big 48-45 win versus Oklahoma in the Red River rivalry. Uh, they averaged 32 points, a game, 32 points a game, and they're led by Sam Ellinger, who has a 65% pass completion percentage. Also, he's sitting at 1,499 yards with 11 touchdowns and 2 interceptions. I think the sky's the limit for them. They have one more big game they have to go through, West Virginia. I have them a the favorite in that game. Uh, they could possibly push for a playoff spot just depends on how everything uh, shakes itself out but they're definitely in a position where they can get a great ball game and definitely win a division I mean with their conference so I'm rooting for them at this point I'm completely surprised uh, they hit a wall the last couple of years just trying to get everything together and there's also a, a chance that maybe a lot of these teams just got better than them over the course of time like your Oklahoma States your Oklahomas but it looks as though Texas is trying to bring it back they're trying to bring they're trying to bring the dominance in the conference back so i'm looking forward to them to doing that eventually uh we got kentucky another another big surprise for me uh, they're currently at five and one overall uh three and one in conference play they're a top 25 team the reason why this surprises me because last the last couple of seasons they just finished with five wins five and se uh, seven overall they've already beaten that total and just because this is the way that they're playing they're 26 in the nation and running 24th in rush defense five scoring five, uh, fifth and 
in scoring defense. Um, they're also tied for 12th uh, in defensive touchdowns. So they have a great defense, a top 25 defense. Their offense might not be able to score all the time, but they can definitely run and move the ball down the field in that regard. So I think they win at least uh, two or three more wins, get a, get a decent ball game. And I think it's interesting because at least if – you know, if they're able to get their stuff together and become a legitimate team, uh, there was a there was a story that I came across uh, by a man named Paul Feinbaum, who's a who's a who's a major college football pundit. Uh, he covers a lot of the SEC teams, and I saw him on Colin Cowherd the other day, or whether it be First Take, one of those shows on ESPN or Fox News, one of the two. And uh, he said he basically said that Alabama, the current number one team in the nation, who's been number one for so many years and different uh, different times in this in this in this history. But um, he's basically he basically recently said that they were stifling college football, suffocating college football, you know, becoming the you know preeminent team and just, you know, the only thing that college football is all about. And I understand that uh, I do want to play a little bit of devil's advocate, uh, say just Nick Saban. And he just knows how to recruit. He knows how to coach. Uh, Alabama is just one of those teams that just have always been good. So you can complain, but, uh, you know, somebody's going to step up and, and beat them. And uh if that's the case, if that's the case about, you know, you know, Alabama, uh, you know, stifling other teams or just stifling college football in the, you know, just in total, in total, um, it would be good to see a team like Kentucky rise up, maybe not this season, but in the next couple of seasons and just be a team that could challenge uh, Alabama, give us some more excitement. Uh, we do need more teams like Kentucky that have struggled for a long time. And, you know, and decide to get their stuff together and perform well. So, uh, like I said, they're at 5-1 right now. I expect them to win at least three or four more games, get to a decent ball game. Of course, uh, they might not be able to win their division, uh, but definitely within the next couple of years, they should be able to, you know, definitely get these upsets and definitely turn their turn their fortunes around. And one of my other biggest surprises has been Dwayne Haskins, quarterback out of Ohio State. Uh, this is a big surprise to me because although I did have Ohio State in the mix to win the Big Ten, uh, I did uh, wasn't too sure about how they would fare without Urban Meyer the past for the first three weeks of the season. And also, they weren't necessarily established at quarterback. They did not have their quarterback situation under uh, well developed. Uh, but uh, Dwayne Haskins has stepped in and and just blown away all my expectations. He currently has 25 touchdowns, four interceptions. He has 1,919 yards, and he's responsible for 156 of Ohio State's points. This man's all over the place. He runs the ball as well. He passes the ball really efficiently, and he's definitely a Heisman candidate. He's one of the high. He's on the higher tier. Uh, higher tier. Uh, I'll definitely talk more about him and his Heisman legitimacy a little bit later, uh, or a little bit long down the line within a couple episodes. But definitely up there in Heisman ranking, uh, definitely one of the better quarterbacks in the league at this point, and just somebody that I was not expecting. And two of my bigger disappointments of the year, uh, we'll just get through them real quick. Auburn, uh, they're currently at four and two overall, one and two conference play. I think they're still in the top twenty-five near the low end, but uh, that that if they are, that's a miracle. Uh, their last two games, they looked pretty bad. Uh, they lost to LSU. Uh, we week before last and then last week they had a really ugly game against Mississippi State losing 23-9 and this is the cold thing about them they're currently six in scoring defense and um, you know if it just looks like 
for the first time in a few years, that offense cannot keep up with them. Uh, you know, this is an offense that, you know, of course, uh, created or, well, had Cam Newton become drafted uh, last year or this year starting running back for the uh, Detroit Lions. Uh, on Johnson, he came from Alabama, uh, from, from Auburn, excuse me. So Auburn can definitely, uh, you know, has definitely been known for their offense as well as their defense. But that offense has, has you know, fallen off a far, you know, a long way. It looks like, and I don't know if there's any going to be any improvement in sight. I think they drop almost two more games this season, just just on the strength of I don't I don't see them. Uh, I don't see where they've improved that much. Uh, they've also lost uh, a couple players to injury, so just looking like a really bad season for Auburn. And um, on top of that, I, I got Stanford here. They currently lost two straight. I really wanted to give them that loss to Oregon. They had a real difficult scare to Oregon. Uh, they could have lost that game. They could have lost three so far this season. Uh, but the last couple of games, uh, the game we got the week before last, uh, they gave up 30 point, 38 points to Notre Dame. And they also gave up 40 points and a loss to Utah. Utah, who was unranked. Uh, they're in a very... Uh, you know, and they've only combined for 38 points the past two games, and they've only had um, uh, they have poor a poor pass rush. They're 34th in team sacks, so they're struggling on a couple in a couple areas uh, of the field. And this is cold because they have a good tight end in Caden Smith. They also have a good raw receiver in JJ Arcega. But it looks like the quarterback KJ Costello, excuse me, uh, just been underperforming, especially the last couple of weeks. So um, I'm not saying that this automatically puts David Shaw on the hot seat or anything like that. But definitely a season that was a big disappointment for Stanford. Uh, they could have been in the college football playoff. They had that potential. They also were in my top, uh, you know, teams to win the Pac-12, and that looks like that's falling apart right now. Uh, definitely have Washington in the driver's seat now. Oregon still a, is still a dark horse. Uh, but uh, let's wrap that up. And I want to talk about some Heisman candidates as well. Like I said today, we're going to be talking about some yeah, of the guys that might be flying under the radar at the moment who do have the potential to, you know, either get into the top three or, you know, like I said, they do have a potential to win it, but these are just some lower tier guys that a lot of the media is not mentioning at the moment. Uh, for some, from for reasons I've more obvious than others, some they do they do deserve some highlights. Uh, but let's get it started. We got Justin Herbert coming in, uh, quarterback out of Oregon. He's currently sitting on one thousand four hundred eleven yards and fifteen touchdowns. Last week he had a solid game. He had two hundred twenty five yards and also two touchdowns and a win. Uh, he looked very good last week. I think think in, in his def well, what's going to hold him back at the moment is the fact that he doesn't have as many passing yards or the touchdowns as somebody as a as a real Greer who I'm also going to talk about as well or Dwayne Haskins but the good thing about him is this week he has a great uh, chance to solidify his case he's going up against Washington so this is a, a great chance this is going to be a national game everybody's going to have eyes on him and he's already a quarterback who's already in the mix to be drafted at least in and in the first round so he definitely has that 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 chip on him. That doesn't make him automatically a Heisman winner. But if he's able to win some of these games, possibly even win the Pac-12, uh, then you're looking at a different situation. I, at, the, at the moment now, he might be on the outside looking in. But uh, if you look at today, let's see how well today goes. If he's able to get a win today, this might be the start of something uh, something different for him. Uh, we also got Real Greer, another quarterback. I mentioned him before uh, from West Virginia. He has 21 total touchdowns. Uh, last week he had a 68 
uh, percent completion percentage. He also threw for 322 yards, also four touchdowns. He got a uh, 154 QBR quarterback rating. Uh, he's a very solid quarterback, good pocket passer, and they're definitely going to need him. They have one more big-time game against Oklahoma, a game that – well, actually, they got to go through Oklahoma and Texas, excuse me, to solidify who's going to win that conference. Again, uh, same story with Texas. It's the same story that I'm going to apply to West Virginia. They got to get through those two – those two games, they want to win that conference championship, a conference championship, and, a, and good performances against Texas and Oklahoma will put real greer over a lot of people. So um, I he 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 doesn't have my vote just yet, but he definitely has my respect. Uh, we also got defensive tackle Ed Oliver from Houston coming in. Uh, he has 40 total tackles this season, a little bit down from last season. He was able to get to the quarterback a couple more times last year, had a few more sacks, a few more tackles for loss, uh, but definitely a top defender in, in the country. He's definitely going to be on somebody's draft board come draft time. Uh, and also, we're going to wrap everything up for this segment. We got Travis ATN running back from Clemson. Uh, definitely lower on the lower end of the radar for Heisman, but definitely one of the top running backs in this conference. 761 yards and 11 touchdowns. Last week, he ran for 167 yards and also three touchdowns against Wake Forest and a blowout win. So he's definitely a factor. He's going to be a factor in all of Clemson's wins. So it, depending on how far they go and how great they look, he might boost his status. He might boost his status as well. But he's, just because of all the quarterbacks uh, in this year's class and just what they're doing, he, again, is one of those guys that are on the fringe. Unless he just has, starts having some monster three, four touchdown games, five touchdown games. Uh, as, as of now, he's also on the outside looking in. Looking in. All right, so when I come back with this, I'm going to be talking about some more housing candidates. When I come back, I'm going to be talking about uh, two of Angloa from uh, Alabama. So a couple other mainstream uh, guys that the media might be pushing. I'll talk about those guys uh, later on. I just wanted to get some of the lower tier guys, the, well, the low key guys out the way just to put their name out there, to get them some credit. Uh, I know it's hard because, you know, just the media, they'll cover who they want to cover. And I want to get a chance to talk a little bit about everybody. That's just me. But we're going to take another quick break, and then we're going to wrap it up. Uh, we're going to talk about my three takeaways from week five. And then we're also going to be talking about some three questions I got for week six, just to preview everything for week six. So we'll be right back, y'all. All right, my people. So, I'm going to wrap this up for today. And like I said, I'm going to go over my three takeaways and also my big three burning questions for this week. And my three takeaways from week five. First things first, I need y'all to calm down, DC. I know my Redskins fans was not really happy about the loss Monday night to Drew Brees and the Saints. But that's Drew Brees, and that was the Saints. They're a pretty damn good team. Uh, it wasn't too much that y'all was going to do in that game. But you guys are still number two in the division. You're, five, you're two and two. Uh, overall, 500 winning percentage. And you guys have a solid defense. 87 points allowed so far. I mean, and I think that that's a good, that's that's second that's second in the league now. That's about second or third in the league. Uh, next to, I know that's, ne that's a little bit more than uh, the, the Bears who have 68, but not by that much. So 86, 68, you guys are still under 100 points. So that's looking good. I think offensively, you guys... You're hurt without a receiver. I think that does hurt you guys. But you guys can run the ball a little bit. And Alex Smith isn't as bad as what people want him to be. Okay? You guys are solid. You'll be all right. You're going to be hosting the Panthers this weekend. The Panthers don't really have that great of a defense. Cam Newton, 
you know, you'll get, I, he, I have another question about him too. We'll get to Cam Newton in a second. Uh, but I, I think there's a lot that you can, there's some of the things that you can take away from the Redskins. They're in, they're in an okay spot. They're still 500. I don't expect for them just to, you know, to ball out and win, you know, go on a winning streak. But I don't think you guys are going to be that terrible either. I think you'll get a chance to sober up against the Panthers. The Panthers are not on the Saints level. We know that. Uh, so, Again, it's not going to be a gimme win, but I think it's a chance to get your mind together and to get hopefully get a get some positivity going. I, I that game is a push for me. You know, I don't have a winner for that game. It's a push for me. I think anybody could come up and take that that, that W that really wants it. So it's a it's a question to see if Washington really want it. Do y'all want to win? I think you guys are okay. Do you guys want to win? Though? Does does Alex Smith want to win? Does he, does he have one in him? Um, another big takeaway is the Jags. I think they might be in trouble. Now they lost last week 30, uh, 30 to 15 against Kansas City. Blake Bortles showed his, I wouldn't say his true colors, but part of who he is. Uh, he threw for one touchdown, four interceptions last week. He's currently at eight touchdowns, seven interceptions throughout the season. Again, that ratio. Of course, he has one more touchdown, but the fact that he has so many interceptions, I mean, come on, that's not that great of a ratio. And they're second in the division to to Tennessee, and Tennessee has an even worse offense. Uh, I don't, I'm not saying that Mar- Mariota is bad, but they don't really have any running back. Uh, they don't really have any receivers. They're just like, just like I said, well, they're in a position that the Jaguars are in. Uh, and, and the thing about it is, this is really hurting Jaguar, the Jaguars because I feel that Marcus Mariota is slightly a better quarterback than Blake Bortles, but that's always been me. Uh, like I said, they don't really have any running back death. Uh, we all heard about, we've all known about Leonard Fournette. He's only gotten 71 yards this season. Uh, so far, they've been able to rely on TJ Yeldon. He's only been able to get them about 200 yards. They had to sign Chris, I'm not sorry, uh, they not Chris Johnson. Ooh, way off. They had to, they had to sign Jamal Charles to a one-year jail just to get some help. I don't even know how much of a factor he'll be, but it's not a good it's not a good look. They already lost Marquise Lee, one of their top receivers, and this is why I didn't have them uh, necessarily outright winning the AFC South. I had uh, Houston as my favorite, although they've fallen apart as well. Uh, and I'll get to them in just a second, too. Uh, but I personally think... Uh, you know, Jacksonville, they, they got some issues. Uh, again, they have a solid defense. That defense is going to keep them in the game. But if you cannot score and if you're going to give up the ball, then uh, those are two things that you cannot do. I mean, especially if you can't do that. Like, if you can't score as well, I would not turn the ball over. And uh, Jacksonville cannot score as well, but they turn the ball over. And that's not a good That's not a good thing. They don't really have any deep threats right now. So uh, they're in a very tight situation. And I'm going to keep it in the AFC South. I'm going to go straight to the Houston. I uh, just brought them up. Uh, Bill O'Brien, I think if this season does not turn out the way it should, they're currently at uh, third in the division. I don't know if they finished fourth, uh, but I, the question is do they connect can they pull it together to win it? And I think with the situation you're at now, like I said, they're at a situation with the Titans. They're not looking as good. Marcus Mariota, again, he's he's hit a somewhat of a plateau. They do not have a running game. I'm not buying that defense outside of Malcolm Butler. Uh, actually, I will give you that defense. That defense does keep uh, – People in a check in terms of points, but they do not. They cannot score uh, with a, with a Tennessee team that cannot score with a Jacksonville team that is hurt and is and is hurting on defense. Well, necessarily on offense, giving up uh, turnovers. If Houston, in my opinion, cannot finish 
at least second in that division. I put that coach Bill LeBron on the hot seat. He's been there for a while. Uh, he's had the talent there to do to to win. He was able to get Deshaun Jackson. He has a solid receiving crew, which I've always given him credit for. Uh, although he did lose uh, DeAndre. Oh no, he still has DeAndre Hopkins. But that running back situation, I'm not buying it right now. And with who they have on defense, to Davion Clowney and T.J. Watt, and their secondary, which is solid as well, for them to not be First, in my opinion, they should be first in this division, in my opinion. They're, everybody's healthy on their squad for the most part. There should be no excuses. And with and with the deficiencies that I already talked about, because I already talked about uh, the Jaguars' deficiencies earlier this season, with losing Marquise Lee, with not having any solid number one receivers. Uh, of course, I already gave them the running game and their, their rushing attack. But again, I knew Blake Bortles was not the quarterback, the man to be. Obviously, his numbers are, are showing you that. Uh, and the fact that, you know, you know, uh, Houston has had that consistency. They have that consistency. Of course, like I said, they lost. Uh, they still had their well. No, they they kept their team together. They still had their defensive line. They still had their solid uh, linebackers. They still have their uh, their secondary. They also still have their receiver sets, and they also have their their running backs. They also have Deshaun Watson coming back. For them to not be first in the division uh, with all of the deficiencies that Tennessee. And Jacksonville currently has, I'm sorry, it's a, it's a disappointment. And if Bill O'Brien can't turn things around, I'd be looking for somebody else because you do, you have a talent. I'm sorry. They have the talent to be winning. I don't, I, 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 I sh they should be first in the, in the division, in my opinion, in my opinion, they should be at least, uh, three and two in my in my humble opinion they should be at least three and two at least one or two in the division uh behind possibly jacksonville just because of jacksonville's defense being so good but at the same time i think they both equally have great defenses uh so for for them to not be at the top and having their team together i think that that speaks volumes to bill o'brien and some of maybe some of his inefficiencies as a coach so we'll see how the season goes if they do not get a playoff spot i'm looking at i'm looking at bill o'brien like what are you doing bro what are you doing so my three biggest questions for week six are star stated like this first big one is how good are the bears they're three and one in the, in the they have a three and one record so far and they're first in the nfc north uh they haven't really played anybody as of late well they were able to get that tie. Oh, excuse me, no ties. But they, they did get that close loss. Well, they did have a close loss to the Packers. So that's one thing that you have to say. Uh, they haven't played the Vikings yet, so we're still trying to figure out just how good they are. They're going to be playing against the Dolphins this week. Uh, one of those push games, I think that this, this team, I mean, this, this game can go either way, despite how good Chicago is, only because of Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky is going to be the real deciding factor of how, of how far this team goes. Like I said, the first three weeks, he struggled in passing. Uh, despite them winning, uh, he struggled in terms of his numbers. The last couple, this last week, I think he scored about four touchdowns, a uh, few, a few, three hundred yards, about three hundred yards. So he was able to turn around this last week. Can he turn it around? Keep it, keep it going this week and win another game this week. Um, the, the defense is one of the best. Is is the best in the league? Only sixty eight points allowed. They do have that factor. And uh, next week, uh, they, they it only gets harder because then they have to they have to play the Patriots. So uh, again, we don't know yet, but I, we will start getting the idea within the next couple of weeks. Believe that. Now, uh, my other question is: How improved is Cam Newton? Currently this season, he's sitting at eight hundred eighty three yards, seven touchdowns, and three uh, three interceptions. Greg Olson is also back. He went to practice on Thursday and. 
is expected to play this Sunday. So we definitely have another target. And uh, the, I guess the, the main thing is uh, for me is can is can he can his new improvements in terms of passing the ball, you know, win him this division? And I still don't think you know because because I'm gonna be honest with you, they can't really win the ball that well. So they're not balanced in my opinion. Uh, and with that, even with Greg also comes coming back, they really don't even they don't really have a go-to guy in terms of receiving. So, again, I, I like how Cam Newton has improved. He's going to have to at this stage in his career. Eventually, he's not going to be able to run around like he would want to. So, it's good to see him hunker down and start looking better passing the ball. Uh, I would just hope at some point he get, he just gets the help he needs along the receiving end and also some production in the running game because they need to become balanced. And that defense isn't isn't as awesome as it was a couple of years ago. It's a lot older, and it's one of the oldest defenses in the, in the in the league. So uh, he has some he has some questions too. He I mean, but definitely I think he has improved somewhat. Uh, but we'll we'll see more and more of that as the season goes on. And finally, you know I don't I don't think this uh, I I came across a story the other week, and uh, it was about the Raiders potentially trading. Amari Cooper to the Cowboys, and I'm not too sure how you know. I'm not. I, I, I'm not sh- sure about the uh, Raiders want to go all the way through with this. I'm not sure about the Cowboys want to go through with all this, but it's definitely a possibility. It's that's definitely something that I saw thrown out there. Uh, there's a possibility he could get traded for as high as a second round pick. Uh, my question would be, would the Raiders be even willing to do that? Uh, my question for that, as of right now, I, I would say definitely. I would hope not. Uh, that's the last little bit of any offense we do have. Uh, however, if the season doesn't go that well, uh, we don't finish with you know we finish with four or five wins. Maybe you make that. Maybe you think about that a little bit more. I don't know what John Gruden's mindset is going into uh, the rest of this year. What his plans are, uh, but I don't think I'll make any sense. But you know, tough, hard times, hard times create those rash decisions. Uh, I think there was a song that I used to like back in the day. Uh, Mind-blowing decisions causes head-on collision. So, you know, they already made a mind-blowing decision already at the beginning of the year to trade, you know, Khalil Mack. We see the, the Rick Raw we've been hitting throughout the season. Although I will play devil's advocate and will say this, even with Khalil Mack, there was no guarantee that our goal, that I know for a fact our defense still wouldn't have been that great. Uh, she still would have helped us out though. Uh, but as far as Amari Cooper goes, I would hope not. Uh, but you never know. You never know. We don't know how, how dire the situation could get. So, <laughs> we'll, we'll, I'll keep you guys posted if anything were to change on that level. And uh, finally, we're going to wrap this up. I'm going to talk a little bit about Thursday night, some Thursday night football. And uh, we all know uh, Philly God's Giants ass, 34-13. Uh, to Let's talk about some of these stats here. Uh, Carson Wentz, he's back, I think. He had, he had some time to get his stuff together. Uh, very difficult week the week before, but, uh, you know, maybe it's partly because, you know, the Giants just, being trash, but he's able to get his bearings back. He went 26 to 36, 278 yards, three touchdowns. In terms of rushing, uh, Wendell Smallwood led the way with 51 yards, but Corey Clement was able to get a touchdown. In terms of receiving, Nelson Aguilar had 91 yards. Elshon Jeffrey, he had 74 yards and two touchdowns. And also the tight end from Stanford, Zach Ertz, he had two, uh, a touchdown as well. Uh, defense, Jalen Mills led the way. He had nine total tackles and uh, linebacker 
linebacker, Nigel Bradham. He had six total tackles and a sack. And one thing I will say about Philly is that they were able to get to this quarterback uh, Thursday night. They're back in terms of that that aspect of their defense. They looked pretty good. Of course, you know, we're talking about the Giants. We're not really talking about somebody who's going to really be challenging anytime soon. And I'll talk a little bit more about the Giants in a second. Uh, but the Eagles, you know, again, um, they looked to be – I know a lot of people are going to say they're going to be on the right track, and in a way they are. But again, this is the, this is the Giants. This is a team that we know is not going anywhere uh, regardless. So, uh, again, they got the win, uh, but we'll have to see more. I'm going to have to see more. Uh, but in terms of the Giants, Eli Manning, ugly game. Uh, he goes for he goes 21 of 43, 281 yards, and also interception. In terms of rushing, Saquon Barkley again, he has another beast mode game. 130 yards and a touchdown, also 99 yards receiving. Uh, o- Odell Beckham, again, the $95 million man, uh, maybe $100 million. I forgot how much that contract is worth now, but he only had 44 yards. And, of course, we already know uh, I'm going to have to do a state of the union on, on New York, on the Giants, definitely uh, pretty soon. But, uh, we again, we know that he's been critical of the situation in New York the past couple of weeks, uh, more so Eli Manning. And I think it's well overdue. Again, I'll touch more of this because this is this game has inspired me to do a state of the union address for them. Uh, just looking more again at these facts, kind of you know reiterating them with you guys. And um, on, before I get away from the stats, uh, deep, uh, too far away from the stats, Landon uh, Collins did help the Giants out on defense with ten total tackles, but uh, you know it's just a it's just a difficult uh, situation right now for the Giants. I think they they missed the bus uh, a while back. I think they could have been developing another quarterback or had another quarterback developing the wings for at least the past couple years. Uh, they got complacent and they wanted to stay with Eli Manning. That's why they drafted Saquon Barkley. And it's not really working out for them right now. But you know what? I'm going to get into more of that with a State of the Union address with them. I have been officially inspired by their ineptitude and Eli Manning's derp derpness. So uh, we're going to wrap this up for today. Uh, of course, like I said, there's going to be some college football coming on later on today and tonight. There's, all, there's action going on right now i will be talking about that in the next episode also bringing you guys some more of the rankings uh possibly some official college football playoff rankings uh definitely when those come out i'll definitely give you guys those uh and i also i'm gonna get you guys up to speed on these mlb playoffs we are in the second round as of now uh the yankees are i'm sorry the red sox are playing the astros and the Brewers are playing the Dodgers, so we will be talking. We will be catching. I will be getting you guys up to date on that as well. Uh, like I said, going over the NFL scores of the weekend as well over on Sunday. Uh, so we will be back uh, either. We will be back tomorrow, either tomorrow morning or tomorrow night, y'all. So we will be covering all that stuff for the weekend. And whatever news, whatever really serious news will pop up, we'll talk about that too. And uh, since it is Halloween month, the month of Halloween, I do want to go over some horror movie reviews, maybe even some comparisons. I definitely want to talk about one of my favorite horror movies, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, Definitely want to talk about that soon. I definitely want to compare some old, old and new. Uh, So we will, I will be 
I will be talking to you guys soon. You will be, you will be headed up. You will be known. You will be in the know. Uh, if you haven't already, please follow me on Snapchat, J, just simply J Butler. Uh, also, I'm on Facebook as well, L Jamal Johnny, E L J A M A H A D J N J A N I. Please look me up. Please support the movement. This is your man. I'm just trying to do this thing for y'all. And if you love me, let me know. If somebody hasn't told you yet already, though, I love you. All right, my people, y'all have a good day. Peace out. Much love.